Hey y'all, welcome back to hour two here on the Tuesday, June 14th, 2022 edition of the Chase Must Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. On hour two here, we've got former head basketball coach at George Washington University, Jamie on Christian, to talk about uh, his career uh, coaching uh, GW for the last three seasons, what happened, what went wrong, what went right, what he's learned in his coaching career thus far, his relationship with Shaka Smart, and uh, how his scheme has evolved, both offensively and defensively. Defensively, um, how important Allen Iverson was to kids growing up in Virginia. Um, we talked about just the future of college basketball, uh, coaching, uh, philosophy, um, just all kinds of great stuff with Jamie on. So I greatly appreciate him making the time to come on today's edition of the program. Uh, so look out for that. Uh, if you missed it on hour one here on the Tuesday edition of the program, uh, we had NFL Network's Bucky Brooks. So you can check that out on this very feed. Uh, just chase the most podcasts where we get it. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. Subscribe and you will never miss any of these episodes of this very program check us out on youtube youtube.com uh slash chase thomas podcast subscribe like all that good stuff that would be great um but yeah there you go uh hour two coming up in just one second with jamie on christian former head basketball coach at george washington uh all right uncle darren let's go Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast. We're taping this on a Monday afternoon. Very excited to have a first timer here, Mister Jamie on Christian, formerly of George Washington, longtime basketball coach in the college game. Coach, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Great to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here as well. Um, you got Michael Jordan behind you. Is that your favorite player of all time? You know, I love MJ. I mean, I mm-hmm. just grew up watching so many games. I mean, it was so the world was so different because, you know, you'd have like WGN and they would have every mm. Bulls game on. So you'd have a chance just, just, just about to see every Bulls game there was. TBS had the Braves on. Mm-hmm. You had a chance to watch every game that, that they played. So, you know, I felt like with the Bulls, you know, growing up in that era, you watched Michael Jordan become who he was, you know, he mm. was dominant individual player to a great team competitor and, and a guy who was really tough to beat. And you really felt like you watched those Bulls teams like make it through the Pistons and, and mm-hmm. kind of find their way and become so dominant. No matter how dominant they were, you know, for me, I was always rooting for them. And uh, so, you know, so I love that shot because I just think it's, you know, it's a perfect way to end someone's career. I mean, I know he went on to play for the Wizards a little bit after that, mm-hmm. but, you know, you always want to finish on your way out. On, on, you always want to finish on top. And yeah. To finish off with that, holding that follow through with the fans behind you going crazy. You know, that's what every competitor wants all eyes on you in the biggest moments, and, and you want to deliver. Yeah. I mean, Peyton did it, and he was like, he was out. And I, hey, the Broncos have not made the playoffs since he retired. <laughs> Brady did not want to end it on almost performing yeah. one of the best comebacks since uh, there was a Super Bowl a couple years ago that we won't talk about that he, he did orchestrate some kind of comeback there. But I, <laughs> the memory is a little hazy on that front. Um, I'm curious, as someone who's coached a lot of young basketball players of late, is Jordan still the one that they look to? They're like, that's our favorite player. That's who they grew up to. Is it LeBron more? Is it Kobe more? Who did you? Who have you found most young yeah. players are drawn to now? The conversation in the locker room is usually yeah. pretty split between uh, Kobe and LeBron. Hmm. You always mix in a couple of Kyrie Irving fans. Really? Know? Yeah. You know, you, you huh. get a few guys in the locker room that really love Kyrie and. Hmm. 
everything that Kyrie brings to it, you know, I mean, one of the things that Kyrie brings to the game, I mean, he has a creativity and a flair and an ability to make something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Players really respect how he, how he, how he interacts with his life, you know, mm-hmm. how he cares about things, um, how he's more than just a basketball player and wants to be more than just a basketball player and, and makes that known how he thinks differently and kind of pushes norms. Mm-hmm. There's always a few guys in the locker room that just that that bleed with Kyrie, hmm. but I think it really comes down to LeBron and Kobe, and I think that's mostly because of memory. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. and like I kind of grew up in the era with Jordan. I had a chance to watch him. Um, it allows me to appreciate LeBron and Kobe, but for them, they didn't get a chance to watch MJ's dominance. You know, mm-hmm. and they think that you know that that era of basketball isn't as good as this era, and they're just different. You know, this era is so much more skill and movement. Yeah. And, that area, that area was a bit more physical and a little bit more, you know, tougher to score the ball and stuff. So, um, but their memory is more LeBron and Kobe, but yeah. they have a great respect for Jordan. You know, what Jordan's been able to do in the game, he, I mean, he's just at an iconic level. Mm. So it's like you recognize his greatness and you don't want to doubt any, you know, very few times I say that LeBron's better than than MJ or Kobe, mm-hmm. but it's almost like they put him on such a pedestal that it's not about who's number one. It's about who's who's two and three. Huh. Um, and so there's a great respect for, for MJ. And I think he's done an unbelievable job of just becoming iconic uh, with, you know, space jam, you know, they all grew up watching a little bit of space jam and mm-hmm. then shoes, you know, and the shoes are, you know, if you're a basketball guy, you're always a, you're, you're a shoe freak. And uh, you know, he owns the market on that. Are you a big shoe guy? How many shoes do you have? Uh, you know, I wasn't a big shoe guy till the last few years, actually. Huh. Um, okay. You know, I, I hadn't been, but then for some reason, you know, recently, I don't know say I've become like a collector, but mm-hmm. you know, I started, started diving into a little bit more. My, my friends from college all make fun of me because I, you know, when I was in college, I, I was not worried about shoes or fashion or style. And then mm-hmm. as I've grown up a little bit older, I just you know, dove into a little bit more. Interesting. Well, how's your summer going? What uh, what have you had on the docket? What yeah. is uh, what is it looking like for the next couple? Well, months? it's a little bit different summer for me. I mean, usually, mm-hmm. you know, when you're a head coach, um, I've been a head coach for ten years, with assistant for you know five or six years before then. You know, my whole life has just been getting ready for July AAU mm-hmm. and trying to load up. And usually in the month of June, we try to bring in thirty. We try to bring in thirty recruits in thirty days and have a ton of visits and get a chance to interact and talk with them and just give us a really good understanding of like the best players out there and mm-hmm. try to do that for for two years out. So it's a little bit different June for me. Uh, my wife had our son June first. Mm-hmm. So you know, congratulations. Yeah, thanks so much. There's nothing better. There's nothing Are you getting some sleep? How's the sleep uh, looking? You know, the last he's actually been pretty good. I mean, he's okay. been on a pretty good cycle and you know, sleeping three hours. I mean, sleeping every three hours. We're kind of feeding and stuff, so he's doing that. Okay support my wife but it's been good to be able to just be be present with that and help out as much as possible um you know so it's a little bit different june for me mm. um, i have getting a chance to work with some teams which has been really exciting i've had a bunch of teams reach out to me and say hey can you do this kind of projects from nba teams to college teams so i have had a chance to watch a ton of film and just watch some projects on people and try to work through some things i'm really passionate about just helping others become become the best they can be that's a big part of being a coach and just i don't have a team this year doesn't mean that i don't get a chance to do that so i'm trying yeah. to dive in and consult with the many people doing that they work with this group called speakeasy being an advisor hmm. And, you know, we're basically we're trying to we're trying to make it easier for coaches to communicate and, you know, b- between one another. And so we're going to be building out some platforms where we do some podcasts, where we'll do some um, some web- some webinars, some workshops and just try to continue to increase the education of the game. So excited about being able to do that a little bit, something different and, and dive into the media side of it a little bit. 
Um, so, you know, it's been, you know, right now I'm just kind of got all these side hustles going on, but I'm enjoying what I'm getting a chance to do, getting a chance to be a dad, getting a chance to do some other things and learn some, some nuances in, in some other areas um, that I wouldn't have had a chance to do most of the time. Sounds like you're going to take your time before jumping into the next thing full time. You know, I think it's important just to learn something new. Yeah. You know, there's not many times. I mean, I've been, I mean, I've had a, and I've had an amazing career you know, in mm. that all so far, and it's not over yet. Um, but I feel like I've had a chance to climb. You know, halfway up the mountain, to my viewpoint is is so much is so different mm. than it was when I started. Um, and you kind of start working in a field, and you're putting your head down and attacking it. And this is the first time that I get a chance to kind of take a deep breath and kind of look mm. at it. You know, I'm definitely gonna take my time. I'm gonna find something that's perfect for for me, perfect for our family. But I want to take, I want to value this time and ability to learn. You know, whether mm. it's reading or listening, to, listening to different things or meeting different people. I, I just want to keep getting better. And I feel like if I can take the time now, knowing what I'm good at and knowing what my weaknesses are, and trying to dive into those, I can be really dynamic on the other side of this and really help somebody out. Do you know we shared a birthday? I did not know that. Well, yeah, yes, April eighteenth. I was. I know it's a great day, but I was just wild. It's like small world. Uh, that's that was just um, that was funny to me because there's not a lot of April 18th. I think Vince Young might share our birthday. I think that's another yeah, one. I think there's one other. There's one other like celebrity that I can think of. That yeah. Is it? Um, yeah. Not a lot of us. Not a lot of. But us. it's good to be an Aries. You know, it I mean? is it's good like to be an Aries. Head down and go and attack things, and, and hey. uh, you have a little bit of fearlessness about you. You know, it's good to be able to share this time with you. Hey, Aries energy, we attack it. Content creators, we're going after it. We're just very driven people, I would I would say. Um, has it been helpful to have a brother who's also an NBA coach? Do y'all like bounce stuff off each other? Is it, it instills some competitive fire? Because I know you grew up in a coaching background yeah. anyway. Like, how does that how does that work? Do you think it's a benefit or more of a like a, a frustration where it's like, oh man, we're gonna we're always competing with one another to see who can do it, who can be a better coach? No, I, I love my brother Jarrell mm -hmm. so much. Um, it, it's been great watching him make this progression in coaching. It's been great to be able to try to aid and help him kind of make mm -hmm. some decisions along the way. You know, being four years older, you know, I, I'm kind of, I had to fight through some things that maybe he didn't have to, mm -hmm. but I, I was able to help him kind of navigate it differently. And that's been a lot of fun for me. Now, our family vacations <laughs> probably are very fun for our, for our wives because it's usually me and him, you know, they're in the pool hanging out, mm -hmm. the kids or whatever. And then it's usually him and I, you know, reading through something or, or talking through a strategy or, you mm -hmm. know, I do that for the entire vacation that we're on. But do y'all play one-on-one -on -one at all? Say what? Do y'all play one-on-one -on -one at all? No, I mean, he, he, he'll never beat me one-on-one. -on -one. Never? Okay. You never. still got the older brother. You're like, it's never happening. I'm never Not letting happening. that happen. Yeah. Um, but number two, you know, we, we haven't played in a bit. We've played some mm -hmm. team basketball and stuff. But, you know, we just – we really get along really well at this stage in our lives where we can really support each other. I mean, they're obviously getting ready to play tonight versus the mm -hmm. Warriors. So him and I talk just about every day. And, and uh, it's just great to watch his progression. I mean, he's a guy that played Division three, mm -hmm. volunteered his first year at Division two. You know, then found his way into a Division three assistant job, and then way to another Division three assistant job, and then found his way to Oklahoma City Thunder, which really jumped started his career. You know, from there to the to to the Go Go to the Wizards to uh, the main Celtics. So, mm. you know, just really, really proud of him navigating this thing because sport is not easy to navigate. I mean, yes. you can be at the very top. I mean, you know, four years ago, you know, um, I was probably one of the hottest names in college basketball. We had just coming off an NCAA tournament. Mm. You know. Four years, you fast forward, and I'm like out of a job looking for something. So the game yeah. is so the game is so fickle that way, but that's why we love it, and that's mm -hmm. why we enjoy it. So watching him navigate it, 
um, it's been a big joy to me and, and just really happy for him. He's got a really bright future. He's grown so much in the game. He's worked with some of the very best. Um, he's got a great perspective. And, you know, he's really just starting to find his stride as a basketball coach and as a leader. You know, he, he's obviously he's my brother. I'm biased, but he's, mm. he's really he's really doing a great job. That's cool, man. Um, how important is diversity in your just basketball program building? I know you did a lot at George Washington. Um, I know on the gender front as well with basketball ops, like, uh, how would you explain like your plan? So when you're ensuring that this is something that we are making, like, this is a priority that we are going to ensure diversity and that this is where we're going with this program. And this is, I'm putting my stamp on this. How, how have you implemented that in the past and why? Well, I'm just huge on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's so many different ideas that come from so many different directions and you need a lot of people who have different perspectives to get to where you want to go. You know, mm-hmm. when you're, you're stepping into a new situation, you know, you have a, you have a, a, a small understanding of what it's going to take, but you don't know everything that's going to happen along the way. And so you want to have people around you that see it a little bit differently, that aren't mm-hmm. afraid to step up and bring, bring different suggestions to the table you know, and I, I love that here. I mean, one thing about be, being in a place like George Washington is it's a very diverse, you know, there's a lot of, lot of there's a very diverse student body you mm-hmm. know, being in the city. And so you're really, you know, we had managers from all over the world. We had managers from, we had male managers, we had female managers, we had operations. Our, our operations woman was, uh, was, a, was a female as well. And mm-hmm. we just had such a great balance. And I think that's really important. Um, you know, I think when you look at a lot of, a lot of times you're in our team and um, our players had such great relationships with their mother. Mm-hmm. Come to a basketball situation, there's only men, right? You no, know? and you know we may have had guys who had who maybe never knew their fathers, didn't have great relationships with their fathers. So I think in order for someone to be at their very best, they have to be able to feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable um, to share things that maybe they haven't shared before. You know, I always mm-hmm. look at maybe there's there's one thing every one of us is is hiding that if we were able to let the world know, we could go be our best, and that's the that one thing is really holding us back. And so when you build a when you build a program with diverse people, you know, you're just giving yourself the ability for someone to open up to someone a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know. Like as a head coach, I could represent I could represent something negative in their past, but someone else in our staff could represent something very positive and they'd be able to really open up to them. And I just think that's really important to be able to have. And, you know, we've had, you know, I was at Mount St. Mary's, we had a we had a female director of basketball operations and she was outstanding. We did the same thing here at GW and we're just mm-hmm. trying to recreate the kind of staff that we had there. You know, in terms of just having a person who's so locked into the details on a day-to-day basis, you know, you can get locked in some of these basketball jobs and, you know, it's different. I mean, Duke just hired the first general manager, you mm-hmm. know, that's pretty neat. But, you know, in, in, in college basketball, you have all these different, you, you have four or five spots and you're basically dividing those, those spots up into all these different, all these different positions. Some are mm-hmm. on the floor, some are off the floor. And I just always feel like that was a weakness of, of college basketball. Hmm. You know, I wanted to have someone on our staff that wasn't really worried about the on the floor. Yeah. So locked into the details off of the floor because, you know, Coach Flannery told me when I became the operations guy at Bucknell, you know, he, he told me, he said, he said, the hard part is that everything, every mistake that I make, everybody's going to know. Yeah. Because it's, it might be team meals. It might be buses. It might be flights. It could be, you know, whether the uniform's ready to go. And, and so it's not like you can hide something, you know, I could miss something on a scouting report and mm. it may not come to light in that game, but in that operations position is just so important to have someone who can, who can just lock in on one thing and lock into the details and not as locked in the basketball. Um, you know, and I think sometimes, you know, now it's kind of changed now that the operations person or video person could be on the floor some. So I think I'd have to reevaluate how I did it moving forward. But at the way it stood before, 
you know, your operations person wouldn't even, couldn't even be on the floor. And so being able to have a person who can do your social media, that can do your graphics, that can communicate with people. You know, I thought it was great for, for when we had, when we had mothers on the visit, I felt like that camaraderie between our operations and our families was, was better. You know, we did a large mentoring program here as well. Right. So each one of our players had a mentor that they had the goals for them to have for all four years. And the mentor was someone that was in their field of study. Mm. really exciting so you want someone who can really be organized with that and again you know when the mentors are coming to the game i don't want that operations person necessarily worry about the underneath out of balance you know i Mm. want to make sure that person feels you know feels great that they feel that don't feel like a guest they feel like family because they're they're spending their time with us so you know that's how i've always looked at it i just think it's so important to be able to have you know i grew up in an educational background Mm. dad teaches for 35 plus years my mom's special education teacher my dad's like you know the coach the the gym teacher all those things mm. um so i grew up around a lot of really strong women in the school mm. system so just not being afraid to, to hire a woman or to hire a minority in any spot you know hopefully it continue it takes trend in college basketball that hasn't really yet but hopefully it will because i think it, it only helped our team it's only helped our programs and allowed us to be at our best and, um you know really proud to be able to say we've been able to do that that's awesome um do you think it's getting harder to be a college basketball head coach in the last few years? Or do you think it's just different where people mistake harder for different? Um, I think it's different. And mm. I think it, I think it's different and harder. I mean, I think you're, I think, I think you're, it's, you're it both are right because mm-hmm. again, you have four or five coaches and you're asking these, you're asking these coaches to do, you know, to create NIL deals or try to mm. have these conversations and that might not be their skill set, Right. Right. I mean, their skill set is, you know, when you're coming into college basketball, my skill set might have been might have been, hey, I want to work with the guard. I want to work with the post and I'm great at those areas. Mm-hmm. Now you're asking this person who doesn't have the skill set to go out here and try to do something different or to learn it on the fly. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that are doing the best with this NIL stuff are really just business people. Yeah. You know, which none of us, not none of us, but many of us are not don't have that kind of background. So you're mm-hmm. having to learn that on the fly. Um, I think it will settle down. I do think that we need to have more positions in college basketball um, because the skill set for what you're asking someone to do, um, you know, like you're asking someone to coach a game and a, and a mentor a young person to bring them along and be supportive. You know, those two things may not fit a business model. Right. And so because of that, I think, you know, everyone should be looking into hiring more staff mm-hmm. to support the players at the level they need to be supported and to be able to give these programs what they need. Do you think that's going to be something that creates a bigger gap between the mid-majors and the high-majors is just that the high-majors will invest more and add more of those kind of positions and the mid-majors just can't afford it? I don't. I mean, I okay. think the I think the gap has always been there and will always mm-hmm. be there and the gap will always be maintained. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Um, because they've always had more. You know, they've mm-hmm. always kind of figured out things a little bit faster, have had a little bit more leverage, had a little bit more freedom to do different things. So the gap's going to be there. You know, once they mm-hmm. open up where kids can transfer right away and play right away, you know, the gap is always going to continue to be there because kids can leave a situation and go play, you know, right away. Right? Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you if you're in the ACC – not take high school kids and just wait to see which mid-major players came out to be available. Right. And take all, I'll take all of them. Um, so that gap's going to always be there, but I think it will settle out. You know, the mm. reality of it is you got great mid-majors and low-major coaches doing a great job of developing players, mm. evaluating players and helping them improve. And that's going to continue. And those guys are going to move or not move, but when they do move, I think those mid-major programs do a great job of finding the next, next group of guys that has the ability to do that. You know, one thing when you look at basketball right now, it's the most celebrated it's ever been. It's the mm. most trained it's ever been. It's the most skilled it's ever been. There are more kids right now that can play the game of basketball than ever before. 
Mm-hmm. You're always going to be able to find someone that can kind of fit in there and do what you need them to do. It might look different. You know, I will say one of the challenges that we had here at GW is trying to get uh, A-10 level talent mm-hmm. um, to all play together and trying to get all that to work as one. Mm-hmm. As you know, most of the time when you have a talented team, you have ability to help those guys grow together, be, you know, over over a season, you're not mm. over three months in the summer before you have to go and play. And so that's going to be a challenge that everyone will kind of figure out. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we did a great job of that, you know, honestly, because I feel like you had so many moving parts coming in and out that you're really trying to trying to assess, well, what can a guy really do in practice and what can he do in the game? And that really dictates how you're going to play, especially when you're adding a lot of new, new faces and new ability. But I think, again, I think that will settle out. The gap's always going to always been there. It's always mm. going to be there. But you're still going to have great mid-major teams that upset in March because yeah. you know. A team I mean, St. Peter's just ran the gauntlet almost. Right. I mean, you yeah. look at Saint, that St. Peter's team. I mean, mm. That St. Peter's team, they basically those guys were all there and didn't have the ability to transfer out here before. Mm. They all stayed together, got better, have a great head coach in Shaheen Holloway. Mm. He's able to put guys out there who've been there together for three or four years, and then you go play these teams that are that are a little bit incomplete because they've added a guy here or didn't weren't able to add another guy there. And now the more complete team goes on a win when the pressure is at its highest. Yeah. And I think you'll continue to see that. And you just saw in North Carolina, they're bringing everybody back. And I think people, I think everything settles down. It's just, it's a lot of change real quick. And I think the portal NIL, I think it will all even out. And you see the numbers, like minutes decrease for a lot of the kids who transferred this past year. And that was something that kids, like there's going to be data. The data will be there and there's going to be more data to show to kids and help them make the most informed decision. But ultimately it's just, kids have more options and that's good. They have more options to figure things out, but it's also what people miss is the high major kids who realize, man, I might not play in this program. So I'm going to go down. I'm going to go to mid major and play really well and, you know, help this mid major program. And that might be what gets you over the top. Did you, um, in the thing with where you were at in your three years at George Washington, which I just, I can only imagine was difficult. Cause like your year two, year one is just like, Hey, I'm just getting my feet wet. I'm figuring out where we're at as a program who I've got here. Year two, the pandemics comes into the focus. Like yeah. that, I feel like every coach who had to navigate that, especially a newer coach, it's just not fair. Like recruiting was extremely complicated. Getting kids on campus was complicated. Building chemistry was complicated. Was that something that you found where you think about, you're like, man, if we did not have the pandemic right at like just the beginning of when I'm building a program that like a lot of this goes differently? Yeah, I would have loved to see what that looked like. I yeah. mean, I felt like we had really established, you know, we had a good group, but we just didn't have a chance to get everybody playing together. I think mm-hmm. um, Washington DC was interesting too. I mean, you're talking about a pandemic, but when you're talking about Washington DC, you're talking about one of the most liberal places in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I don't think we even got back into school until maybe late August before Man. our players got back. Mm-hmm. And we had, you know, we had a really talented player. Matthew Moyer came in, mm-hmm. came in, James Bishop came in. Um, you know, Sloan Seymour is eligible to play. So we just had a lot of new faces and new guys that could play, including the freshmen coming in, with Jameson Battle coming back, Jameer Nelson coming back. You know, just like good, I mean, a good crew of guys, but just needed that time to to grow together. You know, and I think what was hard, I mean, you talking about the pandemic, which was tough on everybody. I mean, mm. you know, millions and millions of people lost their jobs. I mean, just ne- I'll never lose sight of how hard it was on our country and on individuals and just how hard that was. And then we were just trying to play a game. Yeah. And I'm like, man, we're trying to play a game and, and, you know, we don't have enough nurses that can, that can uh, perform in that, in the hospital. Right. You no. Know? And it's just, you know, for me, that was a really challenging time because I'm so much about player safety. I'm so much about that. And, and that was a really tough time. And then when you're in the city here, 
you know, every protest uh, ends in D.C. And I always say yeah. it starts in D.C. and then it ends in D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were probably four or five times our campus was locked down when we weren't able to practice or weren't able to get out of our dorm rooms because we had different. I mean, everyone knows about the insurrection on January 6th, yeah. but no one recognized when you're in D.C. There was probably there are there are three or four protests before then and two protests after that. Yeah, really affect your daily life. You know, we actually had at one point we were part of the perimeter. So we had tanks on campus um, after the insurrection. So, you know, we, it was, it, you had to have certain, only certain people were allowed in, into campus and off of campus. So it was just weird. I mean, if you imagine driving into work and there's a tank, yeah, you know, a block away from the, from the it's gym. It's the heart of basketball season too. The heart of basketball <laughs> season. So it was just a little bit different, just trying to work yeah. that. And then after that, that actually forced us, because we're in the perimeter, we couldn't play mm. anybody at home. Yeah. It actually forced us to move off of campus. So we moved off of campus and then when we got there, it was, it was crazy because the entire National Guard was staying at that hotel. Um, and, I know, and, and so they're all staying at the hotel and they were like, this is going to be really scary. And within mm. probably four days of being there, um, we just started testing positive for COVID. Yeah. Um, and, and then that went on. We, I think we had a 36 day layoff in the middle of the season. And so it just kind of gets rolling on you snowballing sometimes. Yeah. But you know, that can just happen. You know, I mean, it's great to look, oh, well, what would have happened if this, if that wouldn't happen? But the reality of it is it did happen. Right. It felt like, you know, we responded. I think we finished a year two and two at the last four games. We only had six scholarship players to finish the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so when that stuff starts rolling downhill a little bit, it is challenging. Um, but I don't feel sorry for it. I mean, I'm yeah. glad we did everybody. Everybody got out of there safely. Um, you know, we had guys really step up and 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 just try. I mean, we had guys playing 40 minutes of games. We didn't have enough guys on the team. Um, I'm just really proud of that group and I'll, I'll never look back on it as a negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we decided to play, we wanted to play. These are the chances, these are the things that can happen if you do play. Um, but it, you know, I'll never lose sight that, you know, men, millions of Americans lost their jobs and people were affected all the way around the, all the, way around the world. Um, you know, we were fortunate enough to be able to play a game and, and to really survive doing it. Um, what would you say is the biggest thing you learned about yourself coaching at GW? Um, pretty tough guy. I mean, I mm-hmm. think, you know, when you're, when you're, when your guy smiles a lot and you have great optimism, um, people don't think that you're, you know, people don't necessarily think that you're tough, but we're pretty tough. I mean, mm-hmm. the ability to stick to a plan, you know, we got here and we looked at the history of GW and it really, it really been built by transfers through the last 10 years. Just a lot of great players that transferred in. Um, very few guys were high school that actually came in and then made it all the way through. So we recognized that that was going to be a challenge for us for whatever reason, um, and I never, you know, when I come into a situation, I never look at it and say, well, you know, this guy didn't do this well enough or whatever. I kind of just, you know, do this whole assessment of the mm-hmm. 10 years. And I just try to say, all right, well, these are potential pitfalls or these are things we need to look out for. Um, so, you know, we just knew we were going to have to build it through transfers anyway. So really it became about trying to build the roster in a way that was, that was, uh, attractive enough for James Bishop. Mm-hmm. You know, he felt like he could come in and play 34 minutes and have an opportunity to go and play and, you know, and so I feel like with the plan we put together from day one here, we're probably the best plan we've had actually in terms of how to acquire players. Now, I don't think we had enough time. I mean, I think we basically ended up with, you know, I think we're probably short of three years together right. with the team, you know, because of COVID, because of restrictions, because of different things. Um, you know, so I think that's just part of the journey. But I learned it was pretty tough, you know, being able to stick to a plan mm. um, when most people I think would have tried to waver. You know, there's games and stretches in there where guys were playing maybe poorly. Mm. We just stuck with them. And then those guys really played well for us at the end. And, um, you know, a lot of people would have bailed and they would have tried to start doing a bunch of different stuff. I felt like 
we stay true to it and stay true to who we are. So I'll say being tough. I'll say the second thing is just that like, you know, just having an ability to, to love and to appreciate what is around you. Mm. Even if it's, even if, you know, what someone's telling you isn't what you want to hear, but being able to love and appreciate that person for telling you the truth, you know, mm. Um, you know, that can be really tough, especially if you're losing, you know, we've only won my entire career. I've only won seven years of winning. Mm. You know, and then we get to the last three years and we struggle and, you know, but the ability to be able to, to just be able to take the right advice in and be able to listen. Um, you know, I, I take a lot of positive experience. Honestly, it, it's weird. Cause I take a lot of positive experiences from here. Mm. I've learned a ton just about, you know, uh, not just program building. Cause we've done a good job at every place we've been, every place mm. we've been is better when we left. Um, but more so just like learning, like what are things you need to get to the next level and, and just trying to assess those things moving forward. Interesting. Um, what is the number one thing you're going to do differently at your next job? Um, you know, we have a great plan. I mean, I, I need to stick to, to my plan mm-hmm. you know, even more so like, you know, what I was just talking about there was a planning of how we build a program. And I had a really good plan about how we like to bring in staff and how we like to develop staff and at the mountain Siena, I spent so much time in developing staff. Um, we just we just spent a lot of time together in terms of reading and um, and assessing and growing together and having tough conversations and building our leadership within our within our coaching staff in itself. And I got away from that here because we just mm-hmm. all this talent. We just need to acquire talent, and so we ended up just kind of chasing talent around and and then trying to get the talented guys to perform for us. And I don't think I did a great job on really developing our staff and what was needed and how we needed to get there. And um, I'm going to do a much better job of that, but we have a plan for that. You know, a lot of it, honestly, Chase, when I like went back and assessed it, it was like, you know, the stuff we had done at the place before would have worked. Mm. We just didn't have the time and ability to do all those things. Um, um, so I think those are a couple of things I think are really important to be able to do. Um, just have true, true self-assessment on what went well, what didn't go well, what went horrible, um, and just be honest with yourself. And I just, I didn't do as great a job with the staff in terms of just spending as much time with them. And, um, you know, kind of, I don't want to say I separated myself from them. Mm-hmm. I would never say that. We were really close. I mean, when I told our staff being close, like, um, <laughs> we're really close. Like our kids all play together. We we have barbecues together. I mean, we do, you know, it's very different than I think any college basketball staff. We do so much hmm. together and, and I've always wanted it that way because I feel like when you when you love the person you're working with, you're going to do more for mm-hmm. them, with them. Um, and so we're always going to kind of build that in- environment out. But I think being able to really just have a group of guys where we're just really learning and understanding the guys on our team every day, I think I could have done a much better job of that. And, and, I'm a, and I've done that before. So, you know, I know that the plan is to be able to do that. Um, did you always want to be a coach? Is that something that since you were young, even when you're still playing, is that what you just always saw for yourself was you're going to be a coach? Yeah. You know, that's a good question. Um, I love sport and I love competing. Mm. I love watching people become the best version of themselves or work towards it. And Mm. I've always been a person who can watch someone learn a skill and be encouraging enough for them to continue to move through their failure. Mm. Um, I've just always been that type of person. So I think that allows you to be a coach. You know, and I don't know if that's a coach as a basketball coach or a life coach or executive coach or what that means, but I'm just the type of person that can really enjoy that. You know, mm-hmm. like if you, after we finish this pod, if you say, man, I'm really working on this and I, you know, I'll say, all right, well, I'm, I'll, let me send you this and see what you mm-hmm. think. You hit me back in a week and you say, oh, I really appreciate that. Really helped me. You know, I'll follow up with you in probably two years and say, hey, are you still doing X, Y, and Z? And I just mm-hmm. like enjoy that process of being able to do that. Um, that's really enjoyable for me. Um, I love being a coach. I love being there for our players. I love being an example for them. 
Um, I, I love that. I love doing it mm. in better fashion. Um, if I wasn't coaching, I, you know, I had, I had three newspaper jobs right out of college. Huh. Um, that's a good thing. I didn't take those. <laughs> um, but, um, so I do, I do enjoy journalism. Yeah. You know, I, I am big on that. Um, the media side of it, I'm a communications major from Mount St. Mary's university. Mm. So, you know, if I wasn't coaching, I would definitely be kind of, kind of, I'd be in the media, you know, yeah. I, I would have been writing right away and, mm-hmm. um, and I enjoy doing that. And I'm spending a lot of good, good amount of time doing that now. Um, you know, I think that's been a lot of fun for me, just getting back to my roots and being able to do that stuff. So, um, well, maybe it's the Chase and Jamie on college basketball show this fall. You know, maybe. Season. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in. I mean, I'm, I'm dying to partner with somebody and talk some hoops. I love doing that, and um, I can do that anytime. There you go. Um, Jamie on Christian in five years, what is he doing? Mm, good question. In five years, I'm taking the things that I learned um, mm-hmm. through the first 10, including this year. I think it's an important year to learn. He had a chance to be a, to have great observation, um, but in five years I'll, I'll be right back there, being one of the top coaches in college basketball. I'll be there right there doing what we need to do, and um, we'll look at this three years here, and we'll say, "Man, that was a blip." And I'll be out there speaking and telling people about how you know failure really really allows you to be at your very best. You know, I yes. always like failure is trying. Like failure that's the trying. you know I yes. always say like your tears uh, are just going to create growth. Mm-hmm. And so those things that make you cry, if you assess them the right way and you fertilize them the right way, they're going to be able to, they're going to help you grow. And so it's just trying to really be locked in this process. This is an important year for me to learn to grow. Mm. I'm going to do a great job with that. I'm locked in on doing that. And, you know, I think in the next five years, we'll be coming off of Sweet 16 somewhere. And, and uh, you know, people say, man, I can't believe that happened to them. There you go. Um, but it'll be a great story because there can be someone out there that's going to need to know that, you know, you can, you can fail epically. Mm-hmm. And, and recover with the right kind of mindset. And hopefully I'll be able to be that kind of example for somebody. Absolutely. Um, in terms of your up-tempo offense and your quote unquote havoc, like defense, how yeah. did you develop both of those? Was the defense just like shock a tape and you like, you just love the VCU tape. And was that kind of where you, you just kind of, cause everyone just picks it. Like you just find yeah. different things. You're like, I like this. I want to develop this. I can put my own spin on this. Like how did you develop your offensive and defensive philosophy? Yeah, so I, you know, my first job was at a place called Emory and Henry College in Southwestern mm-hmm. Virginia, only about I think ninety minutes from Knoxville, actually. Really, um, I'm yeah. telling you, Knoxville, it, it it's so strange that we're close to South Carolina, Virginia, <laughs> North Carolina, Georgia. I don't understand geography at all because I don't know how we're that close to everything. But that's yeah, I would, reality. I would go to UT women's games. Uh, yeah, they play on those Sundays. I'd slide in there and watch those UT women's games and. Um, it wasn't too far from there. But my first job was yeah. at Emory Henry College, and we press and trap for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. We subbed every, we subbed different guys in every 35 seconds. Um, so actually, in my notebook, I had I had Mount Mayhem games. <laughs> yeah, when I was an assistant when I was an assistant coach coaching Division Three. Uh-huh. I always knew that I would want to play up tempo. I just think mm-hmm. playing up tempo me is the best. Like I love as a coach. You're kind of ahead of the curve because they weren't really doing that as much at that time. We were shooting so many threes. I mean, we, yeah. were, we were taking 75 to 80 percent of our shots from three. Huh? In 2004, 2005. That's insane. Yeah. Right. So we were like, we were way ahead of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't we couldn't find a post player in recruiting, so we just said we're going to play all guards. We're going to shoot a ton of threes. Mm-hmm. Change the game to fit us by the numbers. So that's where I get a lot of my philosophy from. From is where I, where I really learned that, you know, and how I can be analytical, but also understand the player side of it and try to build it out. You know, my experience with, with Coach Smart, you know, mm-hmm. he showed me how to do it at the at a higher level and what kind of players you need to do and how you can evaluate the the psyche of a player before you bring them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Coach Smart, I give him a ton of credit. Uh, I always do love Coach Smart to death. Mm-hmm. You know, he really taught me how to be me with the guys. 
you huh. know, something that happens like, you know, up until that point, I'd only worked for like older whitehead coaches. <laughs> you right. So you yeah. don't know how to be you in right. front of them until you work for a guy who's like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was so natural with the players and he connected with them in such a way. You know, it, it was it was amazing to watch him take a guy who might have gone over 10 the night before and to just sit with him before practice and elevate the kid's spirit from zero to 100. Mm-hmm. And I just love that about Coach Smart. And so having a chance to watch him do that really has impacted my life in so many different ways and impacted my coaching. And so, you know, obviously there's some basketball stuff. You know, he ball screened a ton there. We mm-hmm. worked closely on ball screen and how to do that. Um, he helped me a ton on the basketball parts. I never want to act like he didn't help me there. He was amazing to me, and he gave me the confidence that, you know, two years after being at VCU, we could be in the NCAA tournament and, and mm. have a chance to win to win a game, right? He helped give me that kind of confidence. But I just gave him credit for so much more of, like, helping me become the man that I became mm. um, and having the confidence to go out here and attack whatever there is. That's really cool. Um, your favorite cheat meal, what is it? Cheat meal? Yeah. Oh. If you're able yeah. to just eat whatever you want one love, day, what I, do you do? I, I love eating. Okay. So um, I love eating. Um, if I'm going to cheat, I mean, mm. let, let's say I'm going on, on a plane. Right? Yeah. I'm fly. Um, I'm definitely getting some um, some collision gummies. Okay. Um, I'm going to do that. Um, that used to be me before TMJ. Okay. Okay. TMJ, so, man, the gummies. Like the gum. I can't do gum. I can't do gummies. Anything like that. My jaw will lock or I'm oh, in just pain. I and I that. learned that like your jaw is connected to your ear and it's all connected and it will just, the headaches will come. It's so weird how all that works. I'm not a doctor. Um, yeah. So I don't know, understand it, but it does and it drives me nuts. Yeah. I would say, you know, it used to be Doritos. Okay. Before, what before flavor? COVID, before COVID. Um, n- nacho. Just Doritos. Nacho. Before, not a cool ranch guy. Nah, just keep it basic. Okay. But, but then I had COVID and yeah. I, had COVID, I had COVID during that 36 day layover uh-huh. uh, here at GW and I lost my taste in my, my taste, in my scent for 10 months, 10 months, 10 months. It was gone. So I definitely had, I had long range COVID. So it was gone for like 10 months. Yeah. Um, so were you eating super healthy or like, I got I, like, I was, I'm only eating just like trees, leaves, everything for this. I was 10 eating months. so well. Yes. And more spicy foods. So I could taste really extreme spices. Uh huh. That would taste bland to me, so I was doing a lot of that. Um, but then outside of, and once I got my taste back, mm-hmm. I, I can't really have Doritos. They don't taste the same to me at all. So my oh, taste wow. is anything else different, or is it just Doritos? Uh, it's, it's Doritos are are more obvious because they were they were definitely my cheat food. Okay, <laughs> so like you knew it well, like so you were very familiar. I yeah. Another one because that was definitely my cheat food. That like if it was a bad game and I was eating my feelings. I was gonna have some Doritos. Um, okay. Definitely need. I definitely need to find something else. Um, you know, now I'm pretty bland. I just have almonds. <laughs> like so. That's. Hey man, look. I got, look, we're like one in the same. Like, I got, <laughs> like <we're... laughs> the areas, man. That's yeah. Cool. Isn't that wild? Like, yeah. There you go. Um, do you have any pregame rituals? Did you have anything that you were like on game day? This is what I have to do. <laughs> well, we talked a little bit before. You know, just me being a baseball player. Yeah. Uh, so definitely some 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 routines i wouldn't call them superstitions yeah you're just a little stitious i definitely just a little stitious mm-hmm. um, so you know before the game um i'm always gonna write in my journal okay uh, i try to really get myself into a really emotional place i'm gonna write um not really much about the game as i am gonna write usually i write something towards like my son or what i'm grateful for what i'm thankful for because mm-hmm. you know i came from i came from new kent virginia man where like there was no basketball players coming out of there and to have a chance to walk out in front of 
you know, thousands of people and coach the game that I love. Mm. I just want to be in such a great place where I'm just grateful for the opportunity. Um, and I want to be in such a place with the game when I walk out there, I can feel the emotions of the crowd and feel the emotions of our team and just really be one with everybody. So I just try to get myself to such an emotional place. So I'm going to journal, mm. write about the things I'm grateful for, the people that I'm grateful for. It usually ends up with something with my son. And now I get to write about both my sons now. There you go. So thankful I am for them, thankful for my wife and the life that I have, thankful for God. Um, and then I will always um, I'll always meditate. Um, I f- try to find five minutes to meditate where I try to visualize the first 15 minutes of the game, hmm. um, what kind of plays we're going to call, what their reaction is going to be, um, just try to get in sync with how, how the game's going to go. Um, I do think that's helped me a ton where I don't get too high or low through the course of the game. Because mm-hmm. I usually try to visualize the worst that can happen mm-hmm. <laughs> and just how we can respond to it and what play we need to call after they've made three baskets in a row and, you know, what I need to say in a timeout. So I try to put myself in a mental place there. Um, and then, you know, then I'll listen to, to, to some music occasionally, but not all the time, mm-hmm. just depending on the day or, you know, the, the time of year. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, we'll end on this, Coach. You get a rare day off. You can do whatever you want to do. What do you go do? I got a lot of days off now. So. Well, I mean, that's true. But like a rare day off, like you know, not even parent responsibilities. Yeah. I'm saying no husband responsibilities, no parental responsibilities. You're able to do whatever you want to do. You know, if I, if I had a day off like that. Like you're not watching any basketball, by the way. We're also throwing that in there. Oh, no basketball hoops? No um, basketball. Honestly, I'm, I'm probably on the beach somewhere. Okay. Um, but with my family. Um, you know, I feel like on vacations, basketball mm-hmm. coaches, including myself, we get a chance to show our families different sides of us that they don't see the whole rest mm-hmm. of the year. You know, it's like as soon as you walk into the house, it's like you're back on your job front. Mm-hmm. So the vacation, the vacation Jamian or the vacation head coach is different so guy, just a different guy. You know, mm-hmm. you walk out there and you get some tan, you get some sand under your toes and yeah. water's out there. You're just out there with your family and just like, you know, like one son's like running in and out of the water and, and your wife's getting some sun and relaxing. And, um, you know, that's that's a great day for me. You know, that's all I really want is to not be bothered, not <laughs> hurt anybody's feelings, not pissing everybody off. Yeah. Um, but just in my element with the people that I love most, you know, I probably would if, if a perfect day off and I would extend it past just yeah. my immediate family. You know, I've got probably about nine or 10 really close friends that, you know, about once a year we do, we take a little trip together. Huh. You know, I'd want them with me and I'd want us all just being able to hang out. They've got children now and our wives all get along and, you know, it's, it's just a great thing. And, you know, be able to have all those people who you love most around you, you know, being a head basketball coach is a, is a very singular thing. I mean, you're mm. a lot yeah. um, alone in your thoughts, alone in your decision-making. So anytime you get a break, you know, I really want to be alone. You know, I want to be around those who, who I love the most and, you know, just being able to spend some time. We'll definitely have some seafood on this day. Okay. Um, I love seafood, shrimp and crab. Okay. Um, we'll probably have a crab feast and hang out. Um, so you're in on the whole process of cutting up some crab and just cracking. Oh, and absolutely. Getting to... Okay. I, I, absolutely. I, I mean, I love doing that. Um, Interesting. I'm in water in Virginia. So yeah. you, know, you, you at the family cookout, if you couldn't do that, you were definitely getting made fun of. So you had to figure it all out. How far is that from where AI grew up? So AI, I mean, obviously, if you're Virginia, I mean, he yeah. I grew up probably about 35, 45 minutes from AI. Okay. Um, but he's like a legend. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think people understand. Like, I think people have a – people think they know, but you don't understand. Mm. AI in Virginia, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like – I mean, he is like the guy behind me, MJ. In yeah. Virginia. So, you know, when you're, when you're growing up and you're playing high school basketball, you're – there are like these tapes, these VHS tapes that people were, were dubbing and selling of mm-hmm. his high school 
That's wild. Well, if you're able to get a VHS tape of this, yeah, right, and they're selling for like 25, 30 bucks. <laughs> you're able to get one of these games with him, mm-hmm. and you're like watching every single day. Yeah. So I don't think people understand like that legend AI. I mean, like they understand him from Philly and his impact on on Philadelphia. Uh-huh. But in Virginia, if you were a guard in Virginia in that era, you had the big crossover, you had all of it, you had you carried yourself the same way, the same kind of swagger. I mean, you know, AI in Virginia. I mean, he's just. I mean, he's my favorite player of all time. I got two jerseys in my oh. my room. That was my guy. Like, I had the I threes growing up, the zip up with the shit. Like, that was my guy. Like, yeah, I mean, was... his, I mean, his shoe game was amazing. How he carried himself. How, you know, he has a great ability, and I don't know him personally, mm-hmm. but he has a great ability to be who he is, but to also show that he's very caring. Yes. Right and. But also, he's a killer on the floor. Mm-hmm. So it's like he has these abilities to kind of go in and out of these different buckets. Mm-hmm. That people really enjoy watching. And off the floor, he just seems warm. Like he seems <sighs> like a warm person. He's such a great guy, caring mm-hmm. guy, understands where he's from, wants to help those around him. Like I, you know, growing all the years growing up in Virginia, I didn't hear, I didn't hear one person ever say anything bad about him. Mm-hmm. You know how hard that is? You know, yeah. to be that, that iconic and not have someone, everybody wanted to care for him. He wanted to care for everybody. Um, you know, I mean, so if you're born and raised in Virginia during that era, I mean, AI is, he's everything. So, you know, he's just, I mean, he's the best. Like, it's hard to do the NBA, like you do the numbers, you know, you're oh, yeah. five. And if I'm from Virginia, I always have to go AI. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even if it's like, well, you got him above this. It's like, I don't think you understand the impact he had on, you know, Virginia basketball over that era, over that time. I mean, even look at the colleges in that area were great. All the colleges were great. Everybody coming from those areas were great. I mean, he just elevated everybody in a basketball sense. And, uh, you know, I just, I mean, he's just amazing. Amazing, yeah. amazing person. Absolutely. Uh, Jamie, how do the good folks keep up with you and what's going on? Anything you'd like to plug as we wrap up today? Yeah, I'm diving in and doing some consulting business with some folks. Um, I'm easy to find, like I'm consulting with teams and some CEOs, which is great. Mm. You know, how you build, how you build uh, elite teams. Uh, so it's been great to kind of partner with some, some business people and kind of help them build out their executive teams as they're trying to learn how huh. to, you know, just trying to learn how to, to elevate them, you know, and how to lead them. And, you know, you have so many people that are doing executive training, one-on-one training, which, which I, which I doing some of that as well, which is great. Um, but then they also need help with their executive team. So mm. bringing someone in who's kind of climbed this mountain in a different way and it has a different perspective, but very versed in, in the business principles and things you can do there. So that's been an exciting part for me over the last, over the last six weeks or so diving in, a, diving in a ton of that kind of consulting stuff. Um, but also now doing some consulting with some coaches, some young coaches, they, want me to come in, do a different project, help them build out their stuff for the summer, whatever it is, kind of see how I view their team, their staff. So, you know, diving in a bunch of those different things. I mean, you can find me on Twitter at Jamie and Christian. You can find me on Instagram at the same Jamie and Christian there. Um, you know, so I'm pretty easy to find anytime you Google. So, you know, but I'm looking forward to being able to impact people, you know, for the year or forever long it takes to uh, to just keep helping people do, do what they want to do better and I love what they're doing. Um, that's been enjoyable for me for, for this time period. And I'm looking forward to continue to doing that. There you go. Jamie on, this has been great. Thank you so much for making the time. And uh, we'll have to check back in again soon. We'll do it. Thanks so much. All right, y'all, that'll do it for hour two here on the Tuesday, June 14th, 2022 edition of the Chase Most Podcast. Thank you for sticking around for hour two. And don't forget about hour one as well. If you missed that, guess what? It's right uh, before this episode on this very feed. So if you're on Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever, you should find it right there. Um, 
yeah, so I appreciate it. And I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with former head basketball coach at George Washington University, Jamie on Christian. Uh, I very much enjoyed our time on the podcast. So make sure you keep up with him and everything he's got going on, following him on all of his social media channels and all that good stuff. So uh, if you enjoyed uh, our conversation, don't forget easy way to support the program go ahead and uh, leave this episode and this show a five-star rating and a review if you listen via apple Podcasts or spotify uh, it helps other people find the show and it helps this show continue to grow uh, email the program at chase podcast at gmail.com tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas and like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer always check us out on youtube all the video content all that good stuff like and subscribe youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast uh hour three coming up in just one second with eric crocker of locked on nfl drafts and locked on 49ers and evan swords of 49ers hub to talk all things nfl coming up after this uncle derek how'd i do nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah